You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. Well, Pascal, we're heading towards Christmas. It's only a couple of weeks away. And believe it or not, 20 years ago this year, we saw the first of the Harry Potter films, which after that actually became a regular feature of this time of year. But the original Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone came out in the year 2001. So let's refresh our memories from two decades ago by watching the trailer. Did you ever make anything happen? Anything you couldn't explain? You're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? Dear Mr. Potter, we are pleased to inform you that you have been accepted at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. In a few moments, you will pass through these doors and join your classmates. Keep an eye on the staircases. They like to change. Good afternoon, class. Welcome to your first flying lesson. Stick your right hand over the broom and say up. Oh, up. Wow. Mr. Longbottom, Mr. Longbottom, Mr. Longbottom, exactly where do you think you're going? Do you really have the scar? Wicked. Mr. Potter, our new celebrity. First years should note that the dark forest is strictly forbidden. That no magic's to be used between the classes and the corridors. Petrificus Totalis. The third floor corridor is out of bounds to everyone who does not wish to suffer a most painful death. Understand this, Harry, because it's very important. Not all wizards are good. I'm going to bed before either of you come up with another clever idea to get us killed. Or worse, expelled. She needs to sort out her priorities. I think it is clear that we can expect great things from you. So, Pascal, you and I have talked about this film in the green room, and as you know, I've had a little bit of an issue with the, with the Harry Potter films over the years. There's something that's just not connected me to them, and I've never been as absolutely and utterly passionate about them as perhaps you are and, and, and other, other people are. But I have to say, 
as I always do, because I knew we were going to be talking about this film today, <laughs> I rewatched it. We do actually have the full collection on Blu-ray, so we've got all of them in really good, high quality. And I have to say, I did enjoy it. The storytelling is fabulous. The music is fabulous. The cinematography is fabulous. And I suppose the actors were young, you know, Daniel Radcliffe. Um, they, they were young in those days, Rupert Grint, Emma Watson. And, and uh, uh, as the series progressed, obviously they matured as actors and their skills became, you know, the the peak. But uh, yeah, I really I really did enjoy it. it, it you've given me an opportunity to reevaluate something which I've always been a little bit dubious about. Well, that's an absolute pleasure. So that means that perhaps you're not a mogul after all. Perhaps you are indeed <laughs> able to join in Hogwarts. 20 years. Indeed, the um, the producers and the official kind of brand managers celebrated with the hashtag 20 years of movie magic and they've, they've had celebrations galore. Um, I can't just you know, mention, you're right, the music. I mean, John Williams knows his stuff, but yeah. if there was ever a perfect match between the soundscape and what you can see on screen, um, the Harry Potter series are just absolutely amazing. I would agree. I think this being the first one, some some of the acting can be a little can wooden, and some of the the cuts and and the way in which story goes is maybe a little heavy handed. But it's all is forgiven when, as you pointed out, I do own the uh, Blu-ray box set. In fact, we have a routine with Denise. Now every other year, it's either <laughs> Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. I can't remember where we are, but I'm sure it's going to be Harry Potter now because of our conversation, and. We also know that when it comes to the marketing we're going to come to in a moment, it was very much a case of less is more. And what is interesting is my memory in 2001 is that I knew so little about this film, probably because of the very restrained um, marketing campaign. I'd not read the books like many of my friends had, although they did encourage me, but I'm just not much of a reader, more, more of, a, of a watcher, as, as you know. And but I, I just knew that this was the Christmas movie. I mean that I was looking for this was going to be the way to get into the Christmas spirit, and that movie did not fail. Yeah, and if it wasn't, I don't think it was made as a Christmas film, was it? But I guess you know, wizards and and uh, magic wands and magic itself, there is always something Christmassy about it. So I guess it feels like a Christmas movie anyway. What well, was very, very clever, and that's, I suspect, based on, on the books and the uh, the wonderful talent of J.K. Rowling, there was an element of Britishness that mm. I absolutely adored, and so did the world over. This was a very, very much a movie taking place in, in, in England, and you had all, all that. But there was also an element of retro, so they were all magicians, but the way mm. they dressed, the, the, the way in which they went to the different shops and buying proper books and this and the other, because 2000 was the heydays of tech. You know, you and I will remember, um, probably by then, starting to own onto our third or, se- or fourth computer, you know, mm. and they went retro as well. Yeah. And yeah. the design of the costumes and so on was just um, everything that worked really well. Yeah, I, I mean, it's the little touches. I mean, I love that that shopping street that they find, <laughs> which is hidden down a, an alleyway in London, and and of course the 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 platform where they have to run into the wall, and of course they disappear into the wall and appear in this hidden platform. 
things like i mean the, the station so archetypally british as you've said uh, but just um bringing in that retro feel i think I, i'd never really i'd never really thought about it before but i absolutely agree it it sort of took you back at a time when everything else was taking you forward absolutely so the camp so the movie was kind of film produced um i mean the special effects and so on in the year 2000 People had some inkling something was happening, but they've been very, very good at keeping things under wrap. And the first official announcement was on the 1st of December with a teaser poster that got people go completely wild. So what was actually in the poster, which lit up so many people's um, imaginations. So for the fans of Harry Potter, they got rewarded by because they knew exactly what the poster was featuring. And yeah. for people like me who not read the book, I was thinking, ooh, what, what is this? So you had um, essentially a photo of an owl delivering the letter to Harry Potter, who is living in the cupboard under the stairs, which was new to me, at Fort Privet Drive in Surrey. But also we were introduced to the first calligraphy of the term Harry Potter, that kind of mm. very golden and magical kind of lettering. We knew that it was going to be November 2001, which frankly was an entire year to wait for, which is probably yes. uh, tough. But also for the first time ever, uh, audiences around the world were given two different titles. And I must confess, Roger, I don't remember any other movies apart from changing the, um, you know, the language because of nationality. But in the English language, I don't remember a movie being given two different titles. For the UK and the EU, we had Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stones. But for the US and Asia, it was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And... I'm just intrigued as to your reaction to that, but also, have you seen things like this done before? It's it's really strange, isn't it? And, and, and I'm not quite sure why they did it. I mean, usually you'd think it's something to do with the United States. You know, I, I always remember that um, in the UK, we had these chewy fruit sweets called opal fruits. Um, but in America, they were called Starburst. Okay. And I think, event, I think eventually the, uh, the, the, um, the company that produces them decided... Everybody in the States knows Starburst, but when they come to the UK, they can't find Starburst anywhere on the shelves. And, and even though we're saying, well, we like our opal fruits, you leave our opal fruits alone, they decided to change it to Starburst so that when the Americans came over to the UK, they would still be able to uh, understand that Starburst was the same same as opal fruits. Now, I don't know whether there's anything going on here. Is is Does a philosopher mean something different in the States? I suspect not. Is it a word that people just don't, understand so philosophers and sorcerers are not the same sort of thing at all are they so i'm not really quite sure the only other film that i can think of which nearly had two titles was actually um the james bond film license to kill um which was originally going to be called license revoked ah, but right. in this in the states when people say that their license is revoked it, it usually applies to your driving license um you know you've been banned um, from driving for some reason so they say your license has been revoked and and they they thought that that association with the driving license was so strong that they had to change the title of the film so that it was bleedingly obvious that it was the license to kill that was um, actually being talked about but no i just don't know 
<laughs> I don't know why why philosopher and why sorcerer. Yeah, I'm sure there was definitely a marketing uh, business case for it. Um, I'm wondering because I've been trying to once again we should maybe ask you know the very people that were involved back in the days whether because the in the US only there was a big big. Uh, trend. Do you remember all sword and sorcery movies in the eighties mm. and nineties, where they didn't want mm. to piggyback on that. But to your point, yeah, there's a big, big difference between the philosopher and, and the sorcerer. So the fans went wild offline and online. Even that was the early days of um, boards and forums, as well as uh, fan websites. And people wanted a copy of that poster because it just looked so majestic. Particularly if you were a big fan. We had to wait till March 2001 to see a, a teaser trailer that was only at the movies and on some of the early days of streaming services. And the first proper trailer that we heard and watched a second ago was at the end of June 2001. Mm -hmm. And what is interesting from a marketing point of view, Roger, this trailer was only available on the official Harry Potter website. It was not sent, as we've seen before with other movies, to you know the magazines, the, the movie editors, yeah. the, the fan clubs, and so on. You can only get it and watch it on the on the website. I suppose if you knew how to do it, you could maybe hack the website and download <laughs> the uh, video, but that wouldn't be in the spirit of things. And I just think it's interesting, a official Harry Potter website, 2001, let's remind ourselves, 20 years ago, that's quite a, an undertaking. And the only way for people to watch the trailer was to go on that website. There was an element of, I don't know, um, scarcity around this marketing campaign, wasn't there? It, almost like it was a deliberate element of scarcity. So they're limiting the access to the trailer, which I imagine increased the amount of traffic to that website, you know, massively for, for obvious reasons. Um, but, you know, they only partnered with one big brand, didn't they? Um, Coca-Cola for promotions um, around the film launch. Now, if you think about it, and we talked about Skyfall, uh, um, the other Bond film, on on one of these um, film marketings, and it was absolutely littered with product placement, wasn't it? Whereas this one, I mean, uh, the, 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 there was just, just the one partner, and there must have been a motivation behind that to keep it exclusive. I think it was so striking in terms of a different approach that industry experts commented upon it. So mm. not only were they talking about the movie, but saying, oh, by the way, have you noticed that the marketing is very different? What I think is interesting about the Coca-Cola partnership is that you will not see the brand in the movie whatsoever. To begin with, the filmmakers said, oh, by the way, Coca-Cola, yeah, you can be the partner and essentially promote the film uh, via TV, print, and, and other and online media. But the, the stars of the film will not be seen drinking Coca-Cola. And you're going to spend some of that money to establish a um, literacy program in the US and other parts of the world. So there was they were very, very demanding. But it almost feels that it's right for the movie not to have, forgive me, um, Harry and, and his pals on the train to Hogwarts, you know, just drinking cans of Coke somehow. Yeah, and, and even the even the merchandise was limited as well um you know i think you compared um the harry potter film to batman which was which was um, released in 1989 and that had almost 150 different licenses issued for it whereas this one was 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 actually a lot lower 87 again it just has that feel of 
almost like scarcity. And um, I'm sure they could have sold 150 or even more, but it just felt as if they were very being very, very targeted. And maybe that was why the marketing was so successful. I, I would agree. I think um, obviously Warner Brothers, who, who, who got the right eventually, Another first is that J.K. Rowling was really, really involved in the film. You know, she didn't mm-hmm. sell the right and then moved on, and and she was almost um, appointed as a brand guardian, where she was reported to have turned down so many offers of products, including mm-hmm. some Harry Potter sunglasses or some all sort of uh, things that she felt were just irrelevant to, to the movie. But if I, if you go to the um, Harry Potter store in Kings Cross, have you had the pleasure yet, uh, Roger? No, I haven't. No, of course you, you're just a, a newborn fan, so I'm sure <laughs> that in your next trip you go and go to the platform nine and three quarters and to the store. If you go in the store, it's just magical. The music's playing, but there's not a lot to choose from. But what there is is so tight and so precise mm. that it's just very, very engaging. And again, in terms of the licenses, I mean. Even companies like Lego, you know, were able to produce sets, obviously, from from the film. But they were told, you have to, once again, be educational. This is about literacy. This is about, you know, encouraging um, new authors, new creators. And they even, as far as um, make sure that the family could engage with their Lego creator video games. So it just felt uh, well well controlled. I mean, the control continued, Rod, as you well know, in and around the, the artwork. I mean, there's not a plethora of posters and, and behind-the-scenes shots and so on. And indeed, they turned down, they as in Warner Brothers and, and the producers turned down many, countless, you'd imagine, offers to go on TV and radio prior to, to the launch. Yeah, and I think they were just keeping the, you know, the quality Quality was what they were going for here rather than quantity. Mm. And they, they had guidelines. And, and as you say, maybe J.K. Rowling was was partly behind that. And she was almost like the guardian of the brand. Uh, but it obviously paid off because, it again, and I keep coming back to this word scarcity, but it, it really made everything feel high quality and exclusive. So for me, the, the, the lesson is this idea of whilst – on occasion, one will have access to huge budget. I mean, this is just enormous budget. It's not an invitation to go crazy on the spend and the spread and, and the and the kind of the uh, the rich. You can be very very targeted, and that led to some very high profile premieres in London, New York, and Los Angeles. I think the one that I remember from the, the days was being quite envious because I lived in Newcastle at the time, but I knew in London the. Um, Audio in Leicester Square, where most of the premieres are taking place, had been changed to look like Hogwarts School. And I thought, <laughs> oh, that must be so magical, that. And, of course, I remember, um, I'm pretty sure, I remember I, I came to visit you in Durham a while back, and weren't some of the scenes filmed in the cathedral? Um, in the cloister area, I'm sure that when we were watching the film last week, I said to Trisha, "Oh, look, that's that bit in Durham Cathedral that Pascal pointed out to me." Yes, that's that's my party trick. People come to see me in Durham. <laughs> Let me show you where Harry Potter was filmed, and then, of course, we had um, Annick. So the whole Northumberland and Northeast was uh, showcased, uh, and part of Yorkshire and Scotland, of course. Um, I'm, I'm, I would imagine now t- nowadays there'll be some Harry Potter tours in and around the UK. Yeah. And one of the things that I did think was good, and again, it comes back to this scarcity thing, but actually showing respect for the young stars, you know, Daniel Ratcliffe, Emma Watson, etc., who were really young at the time, you know. Um, 
and they kept them away from the usual celebrity conventions and and uh, a bit big news pundits didn't uh, news junkets didn't they 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 kept them safe i guess mm. they kept them out of the spotlight but again i think that just added to the exclusivity and the and the feel I think it was the right thing to do. My goodness, they were so young. Can you imagine entering yeah. a, your, your typical Comic Con and so on, which is you know it's very convivial, but it's very loud. It's very kind mm. of uh, you know the atmosphere is very very unique. And and I think it was the right thing to do. And from that point on, as you mentioned, over the course of ten years, we were treated to one you know masterpiece after the other. I mean, I don't think there's one that I, I like the, the least. I think, as I mentioned, every year, every other year should I say we watched them over the course of two three days and when you do that you know when you have that kind of binge watch moment the stories they link so tightly it's really really quite impressive yeah and I did make the commitment after we plucked the (laughs) blu-ray out of the blu-ray player and put it back into its box I did say okay that's the first one done I'm going to make the commitment now to, to watch the rest and hopefully I will see each of them with a renewed enthusiasm and renewed wonder do you know that's it's been a wonderful addition to film marketing you know 20 years ago you know, Christmas became just a bit more magical. And I, I, that feeling has not died off. And uh, it, it's just, you know, great to be a film fan nowadays, isn't it? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Again, we're lucky that we can watch all of these films so often and uh, whenever we want in such amazing high quality. Well, everyone, thank you once again so much for tuning in to Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast. Whether you watched this on video, whether you listened to this on audio, Pascal and I really do appreciate you taking the time to tuning in. Please do subscribe and also comment upon what you're listening to. You can find us on Twitter or you can leave a comment in the YouTube video below the video. So that's it for this week and until next time, please do go out there and make sure that your marketing is done right. I was Roger Edwards and he was Pascal Fintoni. Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates.